live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Far be it from me to disagree with something stated in our newscast. But let me state it in our newscast. Mike Spaulding who is a good guy, has this report. Tonight, the Germantown School, uh, the sorry, Menominee Falls School Board is going to vote on getting rid of the nickname, uh, the mascot, the, the Indians. And, of course, you know, they. Th- this, is, this has been fixed, I believe, from the beginning. The school board president and the school superintendent cooked up this plan, I believe, months and months ago. Certainly the superintendent did to, to change this name. And what they've done is they've tried to orchestrate something over the course of the last several months. They don't care what people in Menominee Falls think about it. They think they know better. Um, interestingly, our newscast quotes somebody from, you know, one of the Indian tribes saying, well, no, there, there, there's no other names like this. And, of course, nobody's probably mentioned to him, well, what about the Aztecs? And what about the Fighting Irish and things like that? But regardless, Spalding's conclusion was, well, the Menominee Falls School Board puts an end to this controversy tonight. Yeah, you think? Let, let, me, let me say this. Um, the Menominee Falls School Board, and I've got the names of the seven school board members in front of me. There, there's seven of them. They're on staggered terms. Two of the members are up for election this April. Two are up for election next April. The remaining three are up for election in April of 2022. Let, let me just say this. Rather than putting this controversy to bed, if the school board goes ahead and does what everybody thinks has kind of been preordained. Like I say, this result's kind of been fixed. Uh, This controversy isn't going anywhere. What's going to happen is any of the two members of the school board who vote against this tonight will be voted out next April. Any members of the school board who are up for election in April of 21 who vote against this, they will be voted out in April of 21, and you'll probably have a complete cleaning of house by April 22. That, that's This controversy isn't going anywhere because of the ham-handed way that they've done this and the fact that they really don't seem to care what the community thinks about this. Well, the, the community's response, and I'm getting all sorts of emails and letters from people saying, can we sue? What can we do? Well, what you can really do is... You can vote the bums out. As far as the school superintendent goes, uh, he's clearly not ready for prime time with the way he's tried to orchestrate this entire thing. And my guess is, well, my guess is the school superintendent will probably be moving on sometime in the course of the next couple of years. But regardless of what happens tonight, if the school board goes ahead and decides to change the nickname, the mascot, without having a binding referendum allowing the public to vote on this, they're, they're, they're sealing their death warrant politically. That, that's just it. They're, they will be voted out, I believe, the next opportunity that this occurs. School superintendent, he's probably already sealed his fate. My guess is, again, I, I, if I were to advise him, 
Um, my advice would be rent, don't buy, <laughs> because th- this has left a very, very bad feeling in the mouths of a lot of people in Menominee Falls for the way that this has been handled, and and it, as well it should be. Will they go ahead and change the nickname tonight? I don't know. Smart Money says probably yes. Does that put an end to the controversy? Au contraire, it does not. All right, a lot of ground to cover. Let us get started. There, There's no question that right now, impeachment is just sucking all the air out of Washington, D.C., all the air. You've got the impeachment hearings that are going on now. It is, of course, predetermined. We, we know what's going to happen. In the next week or so, probably before Christmas, the Democrats that control the House of Representatives will vote on multiple articles of impeachment. I don't know whether there'll be two, three, four. There could be as many as eight. They will pass on largely a party line vote. My guess is no Republicans in the House of Representatives will vote for it. Almost all Democrats, except for a handful of Democrats who are running for re-election next year in districts that President Trump carried, they will get permission from Nancy Pelosi to vote against this, but the articles of impeachment will pass. Sometime in probably early January, there will be a quote-unquote trial in the U.S. Senate. President Trump will be acquitted. Almost all Republicans will vote in favor, will, will vote. You need 67 senators to remove the president from office. That, that's not going to happen. That means you're going to need, what, 15, 16 Republicans to switch sides. That's not, it's just flat out not going to happen. So, you know, by the end of January, State of the Union will be back to where we were. And I guess in November, we can see what the effect of all this impeachment stuff is going to be. But, but. It sucked all the air out of things. We haven't had Congress dealing with the stuff that I argue would argue that we elected people to deal with, like figuring out the deficit and, and issues on trade and Social Security and things of the like. Against that backdrop, though, there does appear to be one thing that Congress is on the verge of accomplishing, and that is a bipartisan agreement to eliminate surprise medical bills. What is a surprise medical bill? Well, most typically, what happens is, let's say you, you've got, let's say you've got insurance through your employer, and you have an in-network provider. There's in-network providers. There's out-of-network providers. And the way you know insurance works typically is that if you choose, your the the insurance carrier that you go through negotiates certain deals with certain medical systems. Maybe it's Freighter, maybe it's Aurora, you know, whatever. And if you use a doctor or a hospital that is in-network, the cost is less than if you use a provider that's out of network. You can go to an out of network provider if you want, but if you do that, you are going to pay more. You're gonna have higher deductibles, the, the discounts you're gonna get is less. You can still do it, but you're gonna to have to pay more for this. Well, the problem that occurs from time to time is people end up thinking that they are dealing with in-network providers and all of a sudden, they get surprise medical bills. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're going in for a colonoscopy. You're, you, you go to your in-network doctor, your primary care physician, and that doctor says, Jeff, it's time for the colonoscopy. Okay. So you call up the hospital 
that you know your doctor sends you to, and it's and it's in network. Okay, and I'll, I'll use an example. Let's say it's freighter, just for the sake of of argument. So you're at a freighter doctor. They recommend he's okay. You know, here's what you should do. I'm going to have the the colonoscopy people at Freighter call you. They're going to set up an appointment. You're going to do it out at Freighter Hospital. So okay, it's all network. You know, you've got your Freighter primary care physician. You've got the Freighter Hospital. You go out, and the doctor who's going to be performing the colonoscopy. Hey, they're they're with they're with Freighter. They're part of it. So you're thinking, hey, this is all in network. It's it's great. So you go out there, you do your cleansing stuff, you get there the day of the procedure, and what happens is, you know, you, you meet the doctor, that, that's fine. Now, by this time, you're, you're not thinking about network or in-network, out-of-network or in-network. You're thinking, hey, I mean, my, my freighter doc sent me out to freighter hospital. I'm having the colonoscopy at the freighter facilities. It's all set. Well, what could happen? And what has happened, and I'm not singling out freighter, but I mean in general, is you, you've got the guy that's doing the colonoscopy, and then you've got the anesthesiologist. Now, you don't know, in most cases, you don't know till you get there in the morning who the anesthesiologist is going to be. You're never, you know, other than just a couple minutes perhaps, you know, before you actually get wheeled in for the procedure, you're, you, you know, you're not interacting with the, the anesthesiologist. But what happens and has happened sometimes is you go in, you have the procedure, you think it's all in network. And as it turns out, the anesthesiologist, let's say in my example, well, the anesthesiologist, even though they're performing them at the in-network hospital, they're, they're not part of, in this case, the freighter network. And again, I don't mean to pick on freighter. I'm just using that as an example. So what happens is you get all your other billings. And they come in and they're in network and you've got the discounts. And then all of a sudden you get this bill from the anesthesiologist. And that bill is way more than, than what you thought it was going to be because it ends up being this out of network thing. And it goes to your out of network deductible and it's three times as much as you thought you had. And you go, well, wait a second. And the response is, well, I'm sorry the the anesthesiologist is out of network. And the truth of the matter is there's really no practical way for you, the patient, to have known that. This is an example of what would be a surprise medical bill. And it could cost people thousands and thousands of dollars. You're trying to do it the right way, and all of a sudden you still get burned. All right, well, here's the deal. There is legislation, bipartisan legislation, moving through both the House and the Senate that would prevent doctors from sending unexpected bills to patients when they are treated in a hospital that accepts their insurance. And it would establish a system for resolving related billing disputes between those doctors and the insurance companies. What it would essentially say is if you are that out-of-network physician, you would be limited into what you could bill the patient. And the limits would essentially be the average of what that procedure costs if it were billed by an in-network physician. Follow me? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. This is this is something that is important. And I think this is something that everybody needs to get behind, the idea of eliminating surprise medical bills. My guess is maybe you have had this happen to you. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will it result in some physicians getting paid less? Well, well, yeah. 
the out-of-network physicians that are at the hospital that's in network, yeah, they're not going to be able to bill whatever they want. But at the end of the day, they shouldn't be able to bill whatever they want. 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. I cannot wait for this legislation to go through. 414-799-1620. This, this is bipartisan legislation, and I think it's long overdue eliminating the surprise medical bills. You you take responsibility. You do everything you're supposed to do. You think the service is in network, and as part of a procedure, you're seen by one of doc- doctors who turns out to be not network, and the next thing you know, you get a bill thousands and thousands of dollars more than you anticipated. That's wrong. And I think Congress needs to step in. Stacy in Milwaukee. Stacy, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi um, yeah, this has happened to me where uh, we went to um, a doctor for my daughter, and um, he was covered in our network except only at certain locations. And we went, and, you know, nothing was said, and all of a sudden we get this big bill, and, you know, all of a sudden, boom, it's not covered because it was at a different location that it's not covered right. at and how are we supposed to know you know well right and you you thought okay and and again you're you're doing your your job you you know look and i i understand there's times that people choose out of network stuff but you're thinking hey you know this is this is the facility this is the doctor we think this is all going to be covered and next thing boom you get that you get the idea that or all of a sudden you get a bill for thousands of dollars more than you anticipated yeah exactly so i i so want this to happen i want this legislation to go through because I think, yeah, it's just so wrong. Well, it's. I think. I mean, again, it's it's deceptive, and I and, and I'm not. I'm not against people making money, and I, I also appreciate that. You know, if if you make a decision to go to an out of network doctor, that that that's fine. Maybe you know, there's somebody that's not covered in your insurance network, and you think it's better coverage, and you want to go there, or this is the best doctor who does those things. Okay, that that's fine. But you should you should know that. If you decide, again, I'll go back to my colonoscopy example. Hey, your primary care physician refers you to, you know, the, the hospital that's associated with that network. The doctor who's performing the colonoscopy, well, that doctor is in network. You don't meet the anesthesiologist till immediately before the procedure. You don't even know who that person is. Turns out they're not in network, and so all of a sudden you get a bill that's thousands of dollars greater. That, that's just not right. John in Milwaukee. John, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Um, I, I was going to make a point. I'm 100% in favor of this legislation, first and foremost. But um, to make a point, in this state in Wisconsin, um, there's a lot of the health care organizations are moving to a trend to actually employ their anesthesiologists. Right. So the two um, big health care companies I can think of off the top of my head are Aurora and the Freighter System, which employ most of their health care or most of their anesthesiologists. But there's a couple other organizations that tend not to employ their anesthesiologists. So that's kind of where we kind of see the bigger issues. But and, and, and you're, my note says, John, you are an anesthesiologist yourself, right? Correct. I won't say where I work. Right. Yeah, and I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to pick on anesthesiologists. It was just an example no. of, of how this happens. <laughs> right. No, it's a, it's a big issue. It's actually affected family members of mine who live in Illinois. But other states where Illinois, Florida are two big examples where most of the anesthesiologists and a lot of the ER physicians in particular are not employed by the health hospitals or health care systems. So we're kind of unique in the state where it's not as big of an issue in the state for a couple of our large employers, right. but for some of the other employers it is. So you really need to know this as a consumer. But like I said, I want to make the point that we're a little bit lucky in Wisconsin. Right. 
that two of the larger healthcare organizations, at least in this state, is not as big of an issue. For right, but and, and you would agree with me though that this is an issue for patients. If you if you think. I mean, again, I, I appreciate that patients, I think, have an obligation to, you know, take some responsibility for health care costs and things of like that. But at the same time, this is one where all of a sudden the patient thinks they're doing everything right, and then, boom, they get that surprise bill. Yeah, it defeats the whole purpose of, you know, we're moving in this trend to have consumers be more and more informed, especially with health care. And you need to allow the consumer to be informed. So, if, if, you know, we're going to get stuck with the surprise bill. There needs to be a way to, for us to find that information. Exactly. Right. Now, Doctor, thank, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. that that's right, because it just, uh, again, you can make, I'm all in favor of consumer. If, I'm not saying that you have to go to an in-network place, but if you think you're going to an in-network place, you expect that the, all the billings are going to be covered by that. And what this would do is it would not require, for example, the medical facilities to contract with the anesthesiologists like the doctor was talking about, but it would say that if you're a non-contract employee, you can't pretty much charge whatever you want. You would be limited as to what you could bill. And would that reduce the amount of money that the individual doctor makes? Well, well, yeah, it, it probably would. But to my response, I guess, to that would be uh, tough. Uh, this is moving through, and I've got a couple of questions. People are saying, does it cover ambulance costs? Not sure off the top of my head. But um, the House has come up with, they've included this in a bill that they're looking at. The Senate has passed off on this. It's ultimately, I think by the end of the month, this might be voted on as part of a larger budget package. And I, I think, it again, it's long overdue. I'm not looking to, to shaft hospitals or doctors out of money they're entitled to. But I think this is an example of, again, where we need to get more transparency into the billing process. And this is a way to do it. This is Jeff Wagner. <laughs> The great thing about this country, and I mean it sincerely, is that that people regularly get a second chance. Everybody makes mistakes. Let's give people a second chance. The problem is that when people screw up those second chances, too often there are no consequences. And you get a third chance, and you get a fourth chance, and you get a fifth chance, and you get a sixth chance. Which brings me to the story of a kid from the south side. His name is James Dudgeon. Now, you might remember this. Last June, a big deal in South Milwaukee, they unveiled the statue of the Crusher or the Crusher. Uh, Of course, famous AWA wrestler from South Milwaukee, passed away in 2005, 40-year professional career. If you grew up around here, you know, and you kind of, even if you were a casual wrestling fan, you, you knew about the Crusher. So what happened was, in an effort to be like a tribute to the Crusher, you had a number of people on the South Side who got together and they, they raised a whole bunch of money and they, they built a, a great statue to, to the Crusher. Put the statue up, a huge unveiling last June. Okay, so you got the statue that's there. What happens in August is that you have a couple of these young men who decide that it would be fun, cute, clever, whatever, to vandalize the statue. 
Now, the morons who are doing this apparently don't recognize that there's, there's, there's a video camera that, that's taping all this, so it's being seen. But about two months after the statue was unveiled, what happens is authorities find out that the statue had been vandalized. Video surveillance shows two guys repeatedly striking the statue with a concrete block. Repeatedly striking the statue with a concrete block, damaging the nose, the right cheek, the upper right chest. Damage to the statue was about 1200 bucks. All right, so they're just pounding on this with a concrete block. All right, so again, the morons that are doing this don't realize there's a surveillance camera that's picking this up. So that they see them, and the police immediately recognize one of the vandals. They say this is this kid, this this James Dudgeon, who's 18 years old, and they, they know him because I, I get the idea that he is a problem for the police in the community. So they recognize him vandalizing this. They go over, they confront him, and he acknowledges, yeah, I, I did this. He, he says his explanation for this vandal, vandalizing this is he thought it would be cool and he would be a tough guy when he was out with friends. <sighs> Heavy sigh. He thought it would be cool. Yeah, th- th- this I guess this says something about you and your friends. If the way you're going to be cool and a tough guy is is taking a concrete block and banging on a statue. I let that one kind of lay out there. So in any event, this is it. He, he gets charged with doing over $1,000 worth of damage to this. He, he gets convicted. And what happened is, uh, the other day, he appeared in front of a, a new judge, Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Danielle Shelton. She was just elected last year, former public defender, and she is she sentences him. So here's the deal. He's convicted of this. Um, her sentence for this kid was that he is placed on probation for a year. He's placed on probation for a year. He has to complete 40 hours of community service. He has to obtain and maintain full employment or full-time school or a combination of both. Good luck with that. Okay, so anyhow, probation for doing this. Now, you might say, well, Jeff, what, you know, what, what's the big deal about this? I mean, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't rob anybody. Yeah, it's stupid what he did. But, you know, okay, you know, do you send somebody to prison for this? Well, Maybe you don't send somebody to prison for this, but here's the dazzling detail. This incident, this conviction for vandalizing the statue comes a little over nine months, a little more than nine months after he was found guilty of armed robbery with threat of force. Okay, <laughs> he, he was, he's, was convicted of robbing Two juveniles. Let me see. Two. He was robbing two juveniles, um, and threatening them. He had a BB gun in his possession during the incident. So this is. I mean, this is what the court records say. Convicted in January, party to a crime of armed robbery. The incident. This is the armed robbery in January. He organized a robbery in South Milwaukee involving other juveniles at the train tracks in the 200 block of North Chicago Avenue. He told police he wanted to, quote, teach a lesson to a juvenile who said it was he said was communicating with his girlfriend. Dudgeon and two others ordered the juveniles to the ground, robbed them, threatened their lives if they told anyone what happened. 
Dudgeon said he had a BB gun during the incident. A Bluetooth speaker, cell phone, and phone charger were stolen during the robbery. Okay, so he's convicted of this in January. He is put on, wait for it, he is um, sentenced to three years of probation last February for the armed robbery. Right. And he had to serve, I think, a little bit of time in the House of Correction. So so he, he's put on probation for this. He's now on paper for this. And within 10 months of the conviction, he's out vandalizing a statue for which he is put on probation again. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand giving people second chances. I, I do. I, I get it, and I think, you know, you, anybody can make a mistake. Now, all right, you say, was this really a mistake where you apparently grab some kids, threaten them with what turns out to be a BB gun, tell them that um, – you know, they're, you're, that uh, you threaten their lies if they tell anybody and you rob them. Okay, you, you can argue whether or not that was appropriate for probation in the first place. But but he got probation, gets the break of a lifetime, and then while he's on paper, within a year of this conviction and sentence, he's out there vandalizing a statue for which we put him on, wait for it, probation again. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Why would we think that this probation is going to have any more effect than the last probation, which clearly didn't do anything at all? Are we going to have to wait till this guy goes out and really hurts somebody before we finally say, well, well, maybe we need to get a message across? Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have no problem giving people a second chance. But this is obviously in a situation where you are out committing other crimes 10 months after being convicted of what I would consider to be a pretty darn serious crime, party to a crime of armed robbery. Obviously, the message has not gotten through that you cannot behave in an antisocial fashion. And at the very least, six months, nine months behind bars, I don't know if it sends a message that you can't keep doing this crap, but at the very least, it protects society for the next six or nine months. 414-799-1620. Is that too much to ask? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Barb in Sheboygan. Hello, Barb. Hey, how's it going? Good. What do you think? Um, I think there's just two questions for me. Um, number one, does he have a job? Uh, okay, let me answer th- one at a time. For, I, I don't. The reason I don't think so is because the way the sentence w- was worded by the judge was that he has to obtain and maintain full employment. So, I, I, I mean, I maybe I don't. But when you say obtain and maintain, that tells me he probably didn't have a job. Okay. My second question then is. Uh, does he have to make restitution? Yes, yeah, six hundred fifty bucks. They say the damage was over twelve hundred, but he's ordered to pay six hundred fifty dollars. 
And then the third issue would be who's ever involved with him, social work, parole, I don't know. Um, they need to look at what they're doing with him because there's it, no compliance. Yeah, it, right, it, it didn't, right, I, I, it didn't work because he was on probation for party to a crime of armed robbery given the break of his life because he wasn't sent to prison and within a few months he's out vandalizing a statute because he wanted to look like a, a, a tough guy. I would think that community service should be a part of um, his restitution. 40 hours. Um, he did get 40 hours. He got okay. 40 hours of community service. Thanks for calling. Well, I, I look, I, here's, I, I look again, I, I go back to the, this note. Do, do I say you put this guy in, in prison for 25 years? No, it's not that kind of offense. But when you commit two, I would consider this to be a serious crime. When you commit two serious crimes within a 10 month span, you get the break of a lifetime because you're put on probation the first time. And I don't know anything about his juvenile record. I mean, the, um, I mean, all I do know from the stories is that the, um, the way it says that the South Milwaukee Police Department, who has had multiple prior encounters with this man, recognized him as one of the guys in the video. So, I mean, it's, I, I don't know what his juvenile criminal record is, but okay, if you've had multiple prior encounters to the point that the police say, oh, we know who that is, that, that tells me, well, that, that there's been a series of incidents. And I guess my question continues to be, how many times are we going to let this kid behave in an antisocial fashion before we recognize that there needs to be some consequences to this type of act? Let's talk to Sean in St. Francis. Hi, Sean. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? So my question is, you kind of touched a little bit on his, you know, record as a child. Could those be the reasons why she didn't include it into the new trial? Is because she can't compare the two, like using them against each other, kind of? Oh no, you you can you you can you have broad discretion. You're you're the judge. You take into account somebody's prior record. Um, you know, and that, that's what's so mind-boggling about this whole thing. You know, you you treat somebody who's got no prior criminal record arguably differently, like a first offender, than somebody who's committed eight, nine, ten prior offenses, whatever it would be. No, you you can take into account everything. That's my argument, I guess. If this had just been the first time the kid, the young man, had been involved in something, and this is stupid, we'll put him on probation. But ten months ago, he gets convicted of party to a crime of armed robbery, and you, you treat him like, gee, this was his first time in the courtroom. I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. He definitely should have a recommending for it. Right. Now, thanks for calling, because, again, this is this – is it's the whole notion of we are just so reluctant to hold people accountable. And, again, this is a new judge. Her history is a public defender. Right. But, but clearly there are issues here. And, you know, maybe – Maybe the second probation is going to work better than the first probation worked. You, you know, for, for the sake of the community in South Milwaukee, you would hope that that would be the case. But if the first probation didn't work, why should we believe that the second slap on the wrist is going to work any better? And this is one of my frustrations with the quote unquote criminal justice system. You, you have all this happening time and time and time again. And, and sooner or later, what ends up happening is, 
you slap somebody on the wrist, you slap them on the wrist, you slap them on the wrist, they don't get the message, and then sooner or later they go out and they do something that is just so horrible that you have no choice but to send the person to jail for 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years. I mean, sooner or later, and I used to see this as a prosecutor all the time, we'd give people a chance, we'd give them a second chance, we'd give them a third chance, we'd put them on double secret probation, and then, you know, and I'm, I'm making fun of that, but then, and then finally they would do something and, and there wouldn't be any choice, and you'd look back and you'd look at the record that the person had and you thought you know you know if maybe we sent this person to prison for like six months or something maybe just maybe they would have not liked it and they would have gotten the idea that they just can't come out and continue to behave in an anti-social fashion in this particular case which is staggering to me is how quick this was you know you get convicted in january and then in august here i'm going to be a tough guy i'm going to go vandalize a statue with some of my you know no no good buddies okay well obviously probation wasn't working so why should we think to this judge why should this judge think that probation is going to work any better maybe it will but i don't know don't be surprised if in the next year or two or three maybe you know we're we're here having another discussion involving this young man hope that's not the case but as long as you have judges that continue to give people chance after chance after chance well, don't be surprised if they don't get the message that antisocial behavior is not acceptable. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Okay, Jordan, who's producing the show, grew, had to work earlier today. See, this is something you have to look forward to. Um, like during the show, occasionally my wife will send me texts, but, but generally speaking, when I'm doing the show, it's, it's not for routine matters. Okay. So I get this text just a minute or so ago. Tobacco. Is that what you like? <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just kind of like tobacco. Is that what you like? Well, okay, I, I, I've never smoked in my life. Maybe a decade ago, I, I would have an occasional cigar, but I stopped smoking cigars 10 years ago. Tobacco, is that what you would like? And I have no clue. And I'm sitting there thinking, what could this, you know, sometimes you're able to guess. Would you have a guess as to what this was? Tobacco. What sounds like tobacco? I can't think of anything offhand. Okay, well, so I, I sent a note saying, I have no idea what you are asking me. I really, I really don't. I, I can't even guess. I think, I think the follow up is. Then she says tobacco hot for chili. I think she's asking me about Tabasco sauce. Oh, got it. Yeah, I that. Think. Okay. See, th- and this is the problem that you have because you've got like the phones and you dictate the thing, and you know, and it hears one thing and maybe puts another word in, but. Tobacco hot for chili. No, I'm. I don't want to put tobacco on my chili. I think she's asking me Tabasco sauce. I think, but I'm. I'm <laughs> wait, wait, Melissa. You know, all you, I heard was Tabasco sauce for chili. Okay, well, okay. Fran is is apparently out shopping, and so she sends me this text, which you know we really. You know, it's normally when the thing goes so off the during the is, program, mm-hmm. it, it's something. The note says, "Relatively significant." Tobacco is that what you like? <laughs> and I, I and really, I have like tobacco. Like, is that what you like? Huh? Who who do you think you're married to, and why would you think that? I, I think she's asking me if I want Tabasco sauce. I think, but your your guess your guess is your she must guess have is, voice texted it. I'm sure. No, I'm sure yeah, that's exactly yeah. what that is. Yeah, and it's like tobacco. Huh? 
All right, are you ready for one of Wisconsin's best golf experiences? Sticks Golf Bar in Germantown is your perfect golf getaway, especially when it's too cold to hit the course. From now until December 23rd, tune in to this very program from noon to 3 for your chance to win a $25 gift card to Sticks, a virtual reality golf bar. I absolutely love it. Somebody is going to get a $25 gift certificate between now and 3 o'clock. It's the Jeff Wagner 12 Days of Sticksmas. Keep listening for your chance to win. When we come back, I don't know, fine men's clothing, is it going out the window? A senior center, well, they don't necessarily want homeless people in there. And if you show up on an airline wearing a T-shirt that says, Hail Satan, do you think some people might look at you funny? That is all coming up. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Is there still any reason to dress up? Now, I, I ask that question because back in the day when I started practicing law, one of the things that you needed to do and one of the expenses that you had as a young lawyer is you had to go out and you, you had to get some decent clothes. You know, you, you couldn't go to your the wherever your place of work you, you couldn't show up in blue jeans you couldn't show up in flannel shirts you couldn't show up in sweatshirts you had to invest in in clothes and one of the things i i actually learned early on is that it just i i've never liked cheap suits i just haven't because at least for me you buy a cheap suit it doesn't it never fits right it never quite looks right and it and it wears out quickly so i learned early on that Instead of buying three cheap suits, you're better off to buy, like, one good suit. And, and that's what I did. And over the years, I accumulated uh, a whole bunch of lawyer suits. Now, once I started working in radio, you didn't wear, need to wear the suits anymore. But somewhere around the eight- or nine-year mark, I, I had to dig into my lawyer suit closet again because I, I was on TV for about six, seven years and, you know, on a daily basis. So I had to wear suits to, to, um, to work. And then, you know, once that ended, I, I kind of went back. So I now nowadays, most days, I mean, I, I wear blue jeans and, you know, maybe a dress shirt, you know, maybe a pullover, wh- whatever. And, and that's all that's all well and good. But there was a lot of professions where historically, particularly for men, you, you had to you had to wear suits or at very least you had to wear sport coats and, and nice trousers and, and things like that. Well, over the years, I accumulated a whole bunch of lawyer suits and if you buy good suits and you know for men you know i if, especially if you don't buy trendy stuff it, it it tends to be stuff that you can wear forever for example or at least until you outgrow it for example in my closet i have probably i have maybe six or seven suits that are like good suits that i bought in the last few years and then i have another four or five six suits that i've just accumulated over the years but they're still perfectly fine and what's happened is that over the last uh, like nine months or so, I've lost about 20 pounds. And so now I fit into the suits that I, I used to have. So I am wearing a suit today. I would, Well, it started yesterday morning. I was getting ready to go to church. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to put on a suit for church. And so I said, I'm just kind of curious. And I went to that, that side of the closet where we have some of the older suits. And I pulled one out and I put it on and, and darned if it didn't fit. I mean, it, it, you could button the suit coat. You know, I mean, last time I remember wearing this, it was like really tight. Well, you lose 15 or 20 pounds and it suddenly fits. And, you know, my wife said, oh, that looks pretty good. So this morning 
I, I, I went and I pulled out another one of those suits and I put it on and it, it fits. You can button. It looks pretty decent. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing this one and I don't even remember how many years ago I bought it, but it looks, you know, it, you, you can't tell because men's suits are, are timeless. But the truth of the matter is I, I'll probably never buy another suit uh, again because I have all these different suits. And unless I completely and totally either lose 30 or 40 more pounds, which I don't intend to, or gain another 20 or 30 pounds, I've got enough suits to last me for a lifetime. Because the reality is, as a general rule, people don't, men in particular, don't, you don't wear suits. You don't wear suits to work anymore. Maybe there's certain occasions and maybe there's certain occupations, but you know, people don't do this. The necktie business. There is a story about how you you can't give away neckties nowadays because very few people outside formal settings wear wear ties anymore. You know, people, and it used to be you'd get up, you'd put on your suit, you'd put on your shirt, you'd put on your tie. Very few people wear ties anymore. And and this is kind of one of the realities. Now, what what brought me to this is a couple years ago, the store that I used to buy most of my suits at, um, Roger Stevens, which was in the Fister Hotel downtown, that closed. The guy that owned it had gotten past retirement age and decided, okay, it's 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 time to, to move on. So that store closed. After that, I started for, for better men's apparel. I started going out to Brookfield. Um, they have a store called Squire Fine Men's Apparel. And the people that own Squire had owned suitors out in Brookfield before, which is another high-end, fine men's clothier. The story breaking today is Squire is now closing as well. The owner, he said he's shutting down the store. He's retiring. So, it's again, it's another situ- one of these situations where apparently we're not going to be passing this on to a younger generation. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It, it seems like... There are fewer and fewer places for people to go to buy, again, the high-end, and I'm talking about the higher-end men's clothing. And I think a large part of that is because we are becoming more and more casual. You, you you, You just are. Places that, you know, used to be that you have to have a suit, now maybe people wear a sport coat. People that places that used to have a sport coat, well, now people wear a sweater and jeans. And I, I don't know if it's bad or good, but it is kind of this reality that the, the idea, again, outside certain professions and outside certain occupations, people just don't wear what people used to wear 20 or 30 years ago. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are becoming more casual in society. My question to you, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? If you go to church, first of all, credit for going to church or you know your, your synagogue or whatever, you look around, my guess is you are going to see people dressed in a dramatically more casual way than if you had gone to church or the synagogue or whatever 15, 20, certainly 30 years ago. 414-799-1620. I'm all about comfort. I, I just, I am. But at the same time, it's kind of the end of an era with all these higher-end men's clothing stores closing and the idea that it's not expected for guys to, you know, wear the coats, to wear the ties, to wear the suits. Good or bad? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Debbie in Menominee Falls. Hi, Debbie. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, yes, it, I think it's 
um, a shame the way nobody dresses up. And when I went into the schools um, to substitute teach, I couldn't believe the way the teachers dress. And to me, they should be setting some kind of example. And don't they say that you kind of do the kind of work of how you're dressed? In other words, if you were dressed well, yeah, like clothes make the man or clothes make the woman yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I, you know, and look, and, and I, I'm not one of these stuffy sort of guys. I mean, and I appreciate the desire to be casual. And like I said, I, I come in, I wear blue jeans most of the time when I come into work. Although this week I've kind of decided, at least when I'm coming in, I, I think I'm going to try to see if these, these suits and stuff fit. There is something about getting a little bit dressed up that I think makes you, I don't know, gives you a little bit of spring in your step. Definitely. And they... I deliver, too, in all the offices, all the women wear jeans. When I used to work in an office, I wore nylon teals and a suit. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, that, right, th- those days are long gone, Debbie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just long gone. And not, that's, How did that happen? Well, it, I mean, we just, I, I guess it was just kind of like, well, why Why do we want to collectively go through all the trouble of dressing up and spending the money? It's just easier to throw on a pair of blue jeans and, and be casual and be comfortable. And there is something to that, but... We're kind of missing something. Hey, thanks for the call, Debbie. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think there's any argument that we're getting much more casual in our approach and our dress. What I'm intrigued by, do you miss the old days? 414-799-1620. Andrew in Madison. Hi, Andrew. You're on WTMJ. Hey, yeah. So I I definitely think you're right overall in terms of uh, things getting to be a bit more casual and just not having as many just regular uh, instances where he'd wear a suit. But I think the other component, you were talking about certain uh, stores closing. Another huge component here is that you're seeing a lot of these uh, startup companies. Um, you know, for example, I live in New York now, and, and I, I bought a suit from a company called Oliver Witch. They, they custom make right. your suits, your measurements, and they have, and they have, and they're high end. They have fabrics right. from companies in Italy that have been around for hundreds of years and things like that. And personally, yeah, I would rather order, you know, one really good suit or, or a couple or whatever from them rather than, you know, maybe go to, I'm not trying to bash the, the Joseph A. Banks. Right, right. Yeah, yeah they're the, the ones where you get two suits for 150 bucks or whatever. Right. Or, yeah, right, I mean, yeah. Right. And so I think that it's it's a combination of, yeah, I think Silicon Valley is kind of having that the sort of casual uh, influence. but But also I think you're just seeing less, uh, in stores where it's just sort of evolving. You're seeing this kind of across retail a lot where you'll see a lot of, it's not just Amazon though, which is good. You're seeing a lot of entrepreneurial companies, you know, Black Lapel is another one I can think of, uh, where they also make custom suiting and that sort of thing. So I think the, the point being that you're just seeing kind of a shift, as, you know, towards the way people are buying the quality, the perceived quality, uh, and shifted retail in addition to uh, the, the casual uh, right. nature as well. Yeah, no, I, and I think there, there there could be. I've I've never had a I've never had a, a a suit you know made from scratch. I've always gone into like I say what, what I would describe as the fine men clothing men's clothing's places and and maybe I've been overpaying all these years. I I don't know, but I just I like I like the way they feel and things like that. And like I say, I mean I'm I'm wearing suits from a long time ago now, and, and given that I've lost a little bit of weight, they they fit well. And they again, you if you get a it's it's tougher with women where clothes come in and out of style and things like that but you know you get a classic you know pinstripe men's suit and as long as you're not doing weird stuff with the lapels and things like that it's it, it's going to be timeless steve in green bay steve you're on wtmj hey thanks for taking my call hi steve yeah i kind of miss the old days um 
I worked at a number of facilities, and I went out to our corporate headquarters for three years in Stanford, Connecticut, for a large multinational horse products company. And when I first got out there, you were required not to wear a super chat or at least a blazer and a tie. And the big joke was you went up to the corporate offices where the lawyers were on weekends just to see what lawyers look like in blue jeans <laughs> right. and pea suits. So over time, the company went and it came up with the plan to go business casual. And in typical big corporation thing, they came out with like a four-page <laughs> guidelines of what you could wear, what you couldn't wear, and then a question if you had que- or a number that you could call if you had concerns right. about <laughs> your attire or others. So, <laughs> right. Business casual is the way to go. Yeah, it is. No, thanks. It is interesting, though. The The problem with business casual is it's tough, it's tough to define that. And and um, I, I worked at a couple places in other lives with lifetimes where the rule was kind of business casual, and and to some people that meant okay, you know, a, a nice pair of dress slacks and a dress shirt, but no sport coat, no tie. To other people, it meant jeans with holes in them. So that was always the what? What exactly is business casual? Len in Milwaukee. Len, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, thank Len. you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I'm 91, and I've been around for a long, long time. But at any rate, uh, I have a couple of, of suits that I wear if we want to go to a, a good event. I have a couple of sport coats and some dress slacks that I'll wear. If it's business casual or if it's club casual, mm-hmm. I look at that, for example, as being a, sport, a, a dress shirt, a good set of slacks, a sport coat, and maybe you leave the tie off. Right, right, exactly. If you want to dress up a little more, you put a tie on. Right. But at any rate, my wife and I have gone to the rep, and we go to the ballet, the symphony, and we've seen people dress, and I think what's happening is that people are getting lazy. They're too lazy to dress up and spend a couple of extra minutes and look like they belong where they're going. We've seen people come to the rep, and they look like they came out of their garden with <laughs> muddy shoes and and torn jeans and whatever. It was like they were too lazy to dress. I well, no, thanks for the call, and I well, I, I think part of that's it. And it's just it's always funny because I, I, I decided to put on the church the, the suit for church yesterday because you know could, could I have gone casual? Would they have been thrilled to have me? And does the Lord care? That's fine. But but my late mom would care. That was that was it. I mean, because you. Whenever I walk into church, it's kind of like, okay, my mom has a certain expectation, and I know she's in heaven looking down at me saying, you know, Jeffrey, why did you think, why did she would call me Jeffrey when I got to that moment? Jeffrey, why would you go to church dressed like that? One more call. John in Milwaukee. John, you're on WTMJ. John. Okay, lost John there. Tell you what, let's take a very quick break. I, again, it's it's just the changing times, but I, I do think you're, you're starting to see that. Now, again, the story with the the, the store in Brookfield, the fine men's clothing stores, the owner is kind of retiring, but it does show that, that these this is the type of business. These types of stores, I, I think, obviously, I'm sure they have loyal business people. And I'm sure that there's certain folks that go in, but fewer and fewer now than five years ago and fewer than 10 years ago and fewer than 20 years ago. It's a trend. We can argue whether it's a good trend or not. Here's one of my favorite texts of the day. Jeff, those suits that you haven't worn in a while, when you put them on, did you find any money in any of the suits? <laughs> Interesting that you would ask that question because 
it is, I think one of the greatest things in the world is, you know, you, you, I don't know, you're, you're rummaging around in your drawers or something, and you pull out a pair of blue jeans or something that you haven't worn in a while, and you reach into the pocket, and there's like a $10 bill in the pocket or a $20 bill. That used to happen from time to time. You know, it would be kind of like, I think I, I, you wore them, and you went out, and you just forgot to take the money out. I just it, It's like there's something about found money that's so great. So to answer the question this morning, now, the answer is, when the simple answer is, when I moved a year or two ago, you know, I went through, when I took all, when I took all the clothes from my house in Whitefish Bay to where I live now, I kind of went through a lot of the stuff. But this morning, when I went to put on the suit, so I take the suit off the hanger, I put the coat on the hook on the back of the door, I take the pants off the coat hanger, I get ready to put them on, hoping that they're going to fit, which they do, and... 30 cents falls out of the pocket. So to answer our texter, did I find any money in any of the old suits? Well, I didn't find a lot of money, but I did find 30 cents, which then goes into the change drawer that gets used for whatever. The other texter says, you still don't have a leisure suit, do you? No, the the leisure suits did go. The the lead into this topic was if you buy nice high-end men's suits, you know, they're kind of timeless you buy leisure suits, and, well, candidly, the only thing I can say, I still have a photo ID. See, back back when I, I go back far enough that in Wisconsin, your picture wasn't on the driver's license. The driver's license was just that you got was just a paper thing, kind of like a Social Security card is a paper thing. So the drinking age back when I turned 18 was 18. And if you had to have proof of identification, you had to get a, a Wisconsin ID card. It was a picture ID card that, you know, had a, that was like embossed with the seal and stuff. And if you want to get in the bars, you had to show the ID card because driver's licenses weren't considered, since they didn't have pictures on them, they weren't considered appropriate proof of, um, of identification for that purpose. So the picture that I had taken to go along with my, um, to go along with my ID, I do acknowledge I was wearing a leisure suit at the time, and I had really long hair. And my only, I still have it, I show it to people from time to time, my only defense to that look was that we all looked like that in 1975. That's the only defense I would have, but no, that that leisure suit been gone for a long time. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Okay, we're really going old school today. The last section was on uh, last segment was on like men's clothing and stuff like that. So we've lost the internet connection for the whole building. Is that how it works, Jordan? We're trying to reboot it now. So okay, no no internet for the whole building. So wonder if our landlords at WTMJ had paid the bills or something. We'll get it back. That's fine. All right. I, I often say that just because you have a right to do something doesn't mean that it's it's the right thing to do. Right. So here is the story. It's a woman. Her name is Rooney Goyle. October 30th, she gets on a flight. She's at one of the airports in Florida. I'm not sure where in Florida she was, but she's flying to Las Vegas. She's wearing a shirt. It's a T-shirt. It says, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. And then beneath that, it says EST, like established, like you'll see a place, you know, Margaritaville established, you know, 1978 or whatever. So it says Hail Satan. And then it says established EST 666 above an image of an upside down cross. All right. Get get the idea. She gets on. She's getting on this plane. 
American Airlines, apparently the flight attendant, comes up and says, um, our crew finds your shirt to be offensive. To which she says, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and apparently then the, the, the flight attendant says, it's a guy, says, uh, well, do you understand what offensive means? And she says, I'm a foreign-born minority woman. I know what my T-shirt means, and my T-shirt is not offensive. Um, at which point in time, apparently American Airlines, they say, look, here, here, here's the deal. Um, unless you cover up that, unless you either change your top or you cover it up, we're, we're not going to let you fly. Because, you know, that that's offensive. And they go back and forth and they go back and forth. And finally, she says, OK, here, I'm going to I'm going to I've got a jacket. I'll put this jacket on. And then, you know, the flight takes off and, you know, it goes without incident. All right. She then decides to go public with this because she says she feels humiliated by this whole ordeal. She complains to American Airlines after the flight. They responded, but she said they did not apologize, instead referring to their policies for passenger conduct. Um, and their conditions say that offensive clothing is not allowed, although they don't explain specifically what offensive is. Not satisfied with that, she then takes to Twitter, um, and Twitter then American Airlines, after this becomes like a cause celeb on Twitter, American Airlines says they'll take a closer look at this after they start getting blasted um, on social media, claiming the attendants were acting like the morality police. All right. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. want to do something a little bit different. A lot of times I tell you exactly what I think about a situation here I want to hear from you. Woman gets on the airplane, hail Satan, established 666. Ha, ha, ha. And the flight crew says, look, we find this shirt to be offensive. Please cover it up. She ends up doing that, but she finds she's humiliated. She's angry. She takes to social media. Here is my question. Should American Airlines have intervened or should they just have ignored this? Okay, the woman, whatever, she's wearing this this T-shirt. Some people might be bothered by it, but it is, after all, a free country. Should they have criticized her T-shirt? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A subset of that is, who wears a T-shirt like this on an airplane? But I am genuinely curious, should American Airlines have gotten involved, or should they have just let this go? Is this an offensive T-shirt? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, this, this gal was flying from, it was Key West to Las Vegas. Key West is kind of like anything goes. She um, is wearing a T-shirt that says, Hail Satan. She says that she is both an atheist and a member of the Satanic Temple. Huh. Okay, so, you know, she's got a lot of stuff going on. There are a lot of issues there. She's an atheist and a member of the Satanic Temple, um, and she was offended when they asked her to take this off. All right, should 
or cover it up. Okay, did American Airlines go too far? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Jeff, I personally feel the shirt was offensive, but she may feel if somebody is wearing a cross, that's offensive to her. Where do you stop? They have just let it be. Jeff. Sounds like she's looking for attention and trying to make a name for himself. With that being said, I applaud American Airlines for what they did. All right, let's start with Lori in Sockville. Lori, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Um, I guess my feeling is that I am capable, as a person, of telling another person that what they're wearing or what they're doing or what they're saying is offensive and that I don't... um, you know, want to be around it. I don't need a company or another person to tell them for me. Now, granted, I won't do that if I'm in a situation where they may get shot or <laughs> right, or get into an argument or a fight or something. Sure. I'm yeah. sorry? No, or get into a fight or something. Yeah, you you might not. You're not going to provoke the confrontation, but you're probably going to look at it and think, who in their right mind wears a shirt like that on an airplane? Exactly, and obviously on an airplane, no one's going to shoot me. And I think that maybe the person that is doing the offensive thing or wearing the offensive thing might think more about what they're doing. If a number of people just came by and said, you know, I really hate your shirt. I don't think that's appropriate. Why are you doing this or whatever? Versus having a company come down on them and then they can retaliate on social media. Right. Well, of course, the other problem, too, is... You know, who who decides, you know, what what is offensive in this context? I mean, if somebody is wearing a T-shirt that says, you know, I love Jesus or something like that, um, you know, and you get you get this woman who belongs to the satanic temple comes by and she's offended. At, at what point from the airline's perspective, at, at what does the airline do and what does the airline not do? How, how do they decide what's offensive and what's not? Well, what I'm trying to say is that. Yeah. It doesn't need, I don't need to have a company or anybody else handle. I think that we need to get back to if you, personal, person to person, if you are offending me with whatever you're doing or saying or wearing, then I can say that to you if I'm standing there and having to deal with you. And I don't need other people to intercede for me. Right. Got so, it. And, no, uh, I, I understand. No, thanks for the call. I, I get it. No, I, I understand. And that's actually, first of all, if you wear a shirt like this and, and understanding that I'm opening myself up to criticism on the Internet or from hostile Satanists, all right, who in their right mind wears a shirt like this on an airplane? I, I mean, I mean, seriously, you, you know, you're on a, to wear a shirt like this on an airplane. You are attempting to be you are attempting to provoke a response. All right. And I mean, life isn't life difficult enough. I mean, why would you do something like this in the first place? So, I mean, when, when I think of somebody who's going to wear a shirt like this on the plane, I, I'm thinking of extending my thumb and forefinger in that sign of the big L, that loser that you put, you know, up on on your forehead. So that that's, I guess, my initial reaction. Who does something like this? Having said that. Does that mean that the airlines need to get involved? And the question becomes, when you have something like this, which I think is clearly going to be offensive to a lot of people, at the same time it's going to be supportive to a lot of people, where where do you draw the lines? And and if they're worried about this, I I think they probably have to define their policies uh, a lot more. Because like I say, this woman belongs to some satanic temple. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Ned on the south side. Ned, you're on WTMJ. How you doing, Jeff? Hi, Ned. Um, I believe that the airline was wrong in making her cover up the 
saying simply mm-hmm. because I feel that's a that's a First Amendment issue. I don't agree with what she was wearing. Um, I think it's a, just a sign of kind of where our world is going. Yes. Um, also, I feel I think it's got to get. I mean, I think it's got to get to the point where airlines or other transportation companies or wherever where public is going to go and travel, they should just make a policy across the board. No writing on your clothes whatsoever, no matter what the message is. That way they cover all their bases. No one can be offended. Um, and then you won't have issues like this. Also, one thing I wanted to ask you. Now, you said she's an atheist. And she's a member of the Satanic Temple. I yep. think this is one very confused person. <laughs> yeah, right. I, how can <laughs> how can you believe in nothing being an atheist, and then now you also believe in Satan? Uh, yeah, uh, okay, I'm, I'm reading the story. I have the story in my hand. That's a very good point. She says she does not worship Satan, but is a member of the Satanic Temple. I, and I, I now, I know, i got to tell you, Ned, I now, I don't want to do any more research to figure out what exactly that's going on with yeah, that. Yeah, you but. know, and going, and going back to your earlier segment about dressing up, I remember the days when people used to dress up to go on an airplane oh. and take a, a, a ride. Um, and, you know, I miss those days. Oh, I, I miss I'm, those days, Jeff. I'm with you. Hey, Ned, are you a golfer? Do you know a golfer? Y- yes, I'm a golfer. Okay, tell you what, we're going to put you on hold. I'm going to give you a $25 gift certificate to uh, Sticks, great golf simulator place out in Germantown, okay? Thank you very much. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We're going to put you on hold. You got, you got it You got it taken care of? Okay, 414-799-1620. We will be giving away one of those to a selected caller every day for the next, well, it's the 12 days of Sticksmas. Let's talk to Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, should the airline have gotten involved here? It's a free speech issue. The airline can set its own rules, but Milwaukee and the Milwaukee Police Department and were sued by members of the Milwaukee Outlaws Motorcycle Club because they wouldn't let them enter wearing their club paraphernalia. Free speech won out. It's a public forum. But I think the airline can some rules, although, as your previous caller said, it used to be a rare, elegant experience. Yeah. We don't think that they should throw people off. After the fact, after the line. Yeah, I guess. I think. See, what's difficult for me is that I, I do. I do think that there are certain standards there. If if the lady was getting on the plane, and instead of it saying "Hail Satan," it said, "Okay, let's say it had the F word," and then you know, you know, you, know, you can come up with all sorts of different things. How, how about the F word and then the president's last name? You know, you could, you know, you could, you could come up with all sorts of things. But this, this isn't vulgar. It's offensive. And like I say, and again, I'm sorry if I'm offending some of you, but Ragnar's rule of life number one is life is tough. Get a helmet. If you're if you're wearing a shirt like this on on an airplane, you got a lot of issues going on. I mean, again, the, the the word loser is screaming at me. I'm not saying you don't have a right to do it, but as we frequently say on this program, just because you've got a right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And if you're wearing this type of shirt on this type of airplane, you are trying to provoke a response from people. You are trying to offend people and why are you going out of the way to do that on an airplane for goodness sakes get on the plane leave key west go to vegas and roll those bones let's talk to peggy in milwaukee peggy you're on wtmj hi i think both stories actually a lot of the themes lately um are all connected with a lack of respect yeah 
and that is what's bringing down our society in general. Yeah, it, it is. It's. I mean, again, why would you wear a T-shirt like this, which is intended to provoke a response? She's she's saying, well, I don't find it offensive, but obviously she knows that there's several people out there who do, and she's trying to offend them. I mean, that that's clearly what's going on. And the sad thing is that the people that do things like this are the ones that are being promoted by society and by social media and the ones who are promoting um, yeah, well, no, right, because yeah, where, where's the outrage? The, the outrage on social media was from all these people who were appalled and offended that American Airlines tried to have some degree of a standard. You know, and it's like they're, they're, that's what they're, oh, this is how terrible is American Airlines. Now, again, I, I understand the argument, and I think they should have probably let it go, but, but who wears a T-shirt like this? I mean, why yeah. would you do something like that? Yes, and yeah. they're pushing for freedoms that we've – they're pushing the boundaries. Yeah, right. I- exactly. No, no. Thanks. I mean, to, to me, this is. I, I mean, they're just. It, it, she's being rude. Okay. My this. It's not like this is the only T-shirt she has. My guess is she has a whole bunch of T-shirts that she could wear. She decided to wear this one because she knew it would provoke a reaction. She got a reaction, and then she got to play the victim card, and people on the Internet, okay, are now treating her, oh, this is terrible, you know, this woman is such a victim. No, no, she's not a victim. She's a provocateur, and that's that. That's okay. I guess in a free society you get to be a provocateur, but why should we reward that? Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, just a nutcase. I mean, uh, <laughs> I called her a provocateur. Case. You'd say nutcase, okay? <laughs> okay, nutcase is my 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 cause for her. Uh, I would be a. I'm a Christian, so if I wear a cross, and I'm not gonna wear that. I'm I'm not a guy that's gonna wear my uh, political stuff. I don't believe in talking politics in public, and right. I just think that she's just a nutcase looking for her attention. Yeah, and and she and thanks. And, and American Airlines, right or wrong, got it because otherwise, if they hadn't have intervened, she would have gotten to Las Vegas. She would have gotten off the airplane, and this story wouldn't have become a story. But because they asked her to cover this up, she was then able to make herself a victim in the world of social media, where everybody is looking for you know everybody is aggrieved about something. Text, a couple texts. Jeff and Fox points says, if I had to sit next to this person, I would be creeped out. Yeah, I, I don't know, creeped out, but I'd be. Be, I'd be thinking I'm sitting next to the, this nutcase. Um, Jeff, everybody has the right to be offended, but that's where it ends. Um, yeah, probably. Jeff, the best way to deal with an attention getter like this is to totally ignore them. They seek engagement. Don't give it to them. Yeah, that's that's kind of how you could deal with about a third of what goes on on the Internet as well. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right. This is one of the really weird things that this horrible story about the shooting in Pensacola at the military base last week. Well, it it turns out that the guy who did it was was a Saudi national who was in this country um, studying to learn how to fly planes, etc., etc. Part of this deal that we have with the Saudi government where we sell them weapons and we sell them stuff and then we train people how, how to do it. It's been a 
it's a very contentious relationship that a lot of people, Republicans and Democrats, have kind of raised eyebrows about. But 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 here's the deal: more more and more is coming out about this guy who was responsible for the shooting. Apparently, he had a Twitter account had a Twitter account where he was posting photos containing texts addressed to American people that blames America for crimes not only against Muslims but also against humanity. All right, so here you have a Saudi national who's you know on a military base training to learn how to fly planes, and he's got, again, all this anti-American stuff that he's apparently putting up. It's now coming out that he was, like, showing movies and stuff of mass shootings. All right, I, I, look, I'm not prepared to say that we need to discontinue our dealings with the Saudi government, although a lot of people think that's the case. But if we are going to have people from foreign governments come in and we're going to put them on military bases, I, I, it's not like this guy was hiding I mean, he's got a Twitter account where he's talking about, uh, again, you know, blaming America for crimes, not only against Muslims, but also against humanity. Maybe that was a red flag that we shouldn't have this guy with a gun on a military base. Just saying. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You know, the amazing thing about this Bucks winning streak, um, and I think it'd be, they've won 14 in a row, is that the only game they've lost in the last 19 was a game they were playing in Utah where they lost when the guy throws in a just a, a hope and a prayer at the buzzer. Otherwise, the Bucks I think, have won 19 games in a row. It's an amazing, an amazing streak. And um, I don't know if they're the best team in the NBA, but they're certainly, they're, they're certainly on a very, very short list if you're discussing which teams are better. And it's, if they can get through the year without any sort of major injuries to their, their key players, and keep in mind they lost Middleton for a handful of games, could be that this... Um, this is the year that you go back, um, when's the last time they won the championship? I want to say 1971. Uh, this, in fact, could be the year. I understand there's also a lot of people, I get these texts, and a lot of people just getting ready to like jump off bridges because the Packers are winning games, but they're not winning them in a conv- convincing fashion. And I guess I just want to say, you know, sometimes we, we all need to just kind of lighten up and enjoy what's going on. Last year's Packer team was a disaster. It was 6 Nine and one, six nine and one. When new coaches come in, and actually one of the reasons I thought they'd be kind of lucky to go eight and eight is historically when new coaches come in, that coach almost never is able to get the team to the playoffs in the first year. Almost never. Now the truth is, most new coaches don't come in with a like an Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. That's the reality. But still, to go from six nine and one to ten and three. And, you know, who, who knows how they're going to finish, um, 13 and three, but at 12 and four, you know, what, whatever it's going to be. This has been a season of major improvements. Are the Packers, objectively speaking, are they the best team in the league? Well, probably not. I mean, you know, you'd have to say that San Francisco and New Orleans and maybe Seattle are, are better teams. But yeah, bottom line is they're, they're having this great year. They're on track for perhaps a buy in the playoffs if they can take uh, care of business. They're certainly on track for a home playoff game. It's just 
you know, it, it's been a great year. So hopefully it ends with a Super Bowl win. I understand that's the obligation anytime. But for everybody who's just upset, yeah, should they have beaten Washington by more than five points? Yeah, but they beat Washington. Should they have beaten New York by more points? Yeah, they probably should have. But they beat New York. They're 10-3. and three. Lighten up, for goodness sakes. All right. Speaking of lightening up, in the surrounding states, in our surrounding states, one of the things, the trends you have seen is that uh, legal sales of recreational marijuana are beginning. Legal sales of recreational weed began December 1st in Michigan. January 1st, legal marijuana sales start in Illinois. All right, Michigan and Illinois are the 10th and 11th states to allow recreational marijuana. Recreational marijuana is not about to be legalized in Wisconsin anytime soon. Now, you, we, you can argue about it. You can say, well, we support it. It should or shouldn't. At the reality, and again, as we say in the, the show open, I live in this place called the real world. In the real world, it's not going to be legalized in Wisconsin anytime soon. And marijuana continues to be, the sale and distribution of marijuana continues to be illegal on the federal level. Right now, the federal government has worked out sort of this uncomfortable kind of compromise where, you know, if you've got a place that's licensed and you're legally selling marijuana in Nevada, that the feds have kind of looked the other way. But it's still against the law federally to you know distribute marijuana. OK, so where does this become an issue in Wisconsin? What well, becomes an issue? Because since it is a controlled substance and since it remains a controlled substance in Wisconsin, a lot of employers, as part of their job offers, as part of a pre-employment screening, require employees to go and they require them to submit to a drug test. You know, we, we've done this here at WTMJ. We, we've done it. I mean, I remember when I started working here 20-some years ago, I had to go find a lab and had to – and, I, I mean, I, I was a drug prosecutor from the U.S. Attorney's Office, but I had to go and find a lab and, you know, pee in a little jar and presumably pass a drug test. You had to do that as well, Jordan, right? You had to go – Yeah, when I first it. got hired here two years ago. Two years. Okay, so we're still doing that. Right. And, and they screen for various drugs. Now, here's where it gets interesting with marijuana. There are some drugs, cocaine being one of them, for example, that are in and out of your system very, very quickly. Um, I, I used to know this off the top of my head, but I mean, typically, for example, if you use cocaine on a Thursday, don't quote me on this if you're trying to pass a drug test, but there's a decent chance that a couple days later, like you go in and you take a drug test that next week, that cocaine might be gone from your system. Marijuana is not like that. Marijuana stays in your system for weeks. So it's entirely possible that, for example, I, I, I've always told that to, to people who've said that they're applying for jobs here and stuff or they have a job offer. And I, I always say, look, we drug test. So I, I'm, if, if, you're, if you're a pot smoker or something, just understand, if you've been doing it recently and you get this job offer, it's going to show up in the employment test. It, it, you're going to test positive, and it may very well you know, kill the, the job opportunity. So you might want to think before you apply or whatever, you, you might want to think about you know, quitting the, the stuff because it does stay in your system for a long period of time. But here's the more difficult issue. It is legal, of course, 
in Michigan now. It will soon be legal in Illinois. So what if you're in a situation where you live, I don't know, you live across the border. You live in Gurney. And you know, you've applied for a job in Kenosha. You're getting drug tested and you know you're going to test positive for marijuana. All right. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess here's the fundamental question. As an employer, obviously you use these drug screens for a number of different reasons. But more and more people are going to get are going to be testing positive for marijuana. That's that's just the reality. And there are some employers who have already while still requiring pre-employment drug testing, what they've done is they've stopped asking for a marijuana screen. They're no longer drug testing for marijuana because they expect that there's going to be a positive result and if their policy is Okay, you test positive for anything. We're not hiring you. Well, then you're you're losing out on some potential employees. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I want to discuss: Should employers continue testing for marijuana, knowing that it's going to show up in people's systems, it's going to be there for a long period of time? Number one, and number two noting that in a number of our surrounding states, for example, um, you, you can legally use marijuana while you're there. You go to Las Vegas under many circumstances. You're in Nevada. You can legally ingest marijuana. You go to Colorado. I'm just trying to think of some places that I have been not using marijuana, but I've been over, I was in Colorado this summer. You can legally go and buy marijuana in Colorado. All right, 414-799-1620. Should employers, given the fact that it is a legal drug, and that people in many states, and that people can be using it legally when they're there, should we care if people have marijuana that shows up in their system? Should we be screening for this, or is this archaic? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If it were me, I would continue to screen. And then I have an asterisk, asterisk that's up there. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we screen for continue to screen for marijuana use? We discuss in just a minute. 414-799-1620, Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thank you. Okay, given the fact that marijuana, that pot is legal in Illinois, it will be effective January 1st, it's going to be legal in Michigan, it's legal in 10 or 11 states, should employers keep testing to see if people have it in their systems? Well, as a business owner myself, um, I think it's more um, to the point where they don't do it at work, you know what I mean, or Mm -hmm. come in high, or it's almost like drinking, you know what I mean? So you know people are going to be doing it, just respect the fact that when you do come to work, you know, it's not expected. You know, you're not expected, obviously, to do that. But people would be taking it, you know, if they're taking it for medical reasons, so on and so forth. Okay, so you're you're the employer. You've right. got your, your, your company drug tests. You've got to decide, are you going to continue? You're going to drug test for cocaine. You're going to dr- drug test for heroin. Are you going to continue to ask them to screen for marijuana? Probably not. Okay, probably not. Okay, good enough. Thanks for the call. Now, see, here, I, I think I would take the opposite approach. And here, here's what I did. I, I said early going into the break that I would I would screen, but I would have an asterisk. Okay, I, I have, I, I guess, 
I, I have concerns. I mean, I don't want somebody, you know, driving a forklift, you know, who's been smoking pot on their lunch hour. I, I don't want somebody coming to work, you know, who's been smoking pot till four o'clock in the morning the night before and getting on the forklift or, or whatever. And I'm trying to balance that out. Here's what I would do. I would continue to have the screening. All right. So it comes back. You've got a potential new employee who's tested positive for pot. Okay, fine. Would I automatically not give them a job because they tested positive for pot? No, my answer would be no, I wouldn't do that. But I would whistle them in and I'd ask them a bunch of other follow up questions. I'd come back and I'd say, hey, hey, Bill, you know. We, we, you know, the job offer was conditioned on this drug stuff. We got your drug screens back. You're clear on methamphetamine. You're clear on heroin. You're clear on, you know, cocaine. But you're, you're testing positive for pot. And I have to ask you some questions. You know, you, you don't have to answer them. But if, if you don't answer them, you're probably not going to get this job. And then I'd ask them some of the questions. Where, where does this come from? Are, are you a guy that's going home every night and smoking pot? So it's going to be in your system. Was this, oh gosh, I was in Colorado visiting my sister, you know, three weeks ago. And yeah, we smoked a little stuff. I, I, I would ask follow up questions because I, I think there is a relevance. If it turns out the guy was in Colorado and he smoked a couple joints with his sister three weeks ago, does that mean I'm not going to hire him? No. On the other hand, if it turns out that the guy is smoking pot for hours every night and that it's going to be in his system and there might be a chance that he's coming to work high, well, okay, that's might cause me to rethink my hiring decision. So yeah, I'm going to I'm going to continue to screen for it because I want the information. Am I automatically not going to hire somebody? No. 414-799-1620. Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, guys, thanks for taking my Hi, call. Hi, Mike. Sure. Uh, haven't given it too much thought, but my initial reaction is that we should absolutely be testing for THC consumption, particularly if you're in the military or if you're police, first responder, operating sure. heavy equipment, and yeah. those things alike. Yeah, I mean, well, even even just I mean, right? I mean, I even okay, you're, you're right. You're driving a forklift at some you know Amazon fulfillment center in Kenosha or whatever. I I mean, I I want to know if you've got. I want to know if you're coming to work high. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just do, I yeah, yeah. Not only do I want to know if you're coming to, for, for a hiring purpose, I would make it a rather of a routine. You have to stay off of it if you want to stay employed, operating this equipment, or being a first responder, whatever the capacity may be. Right, 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 now, right. Others, others, you know, testing for these types of uh, drugs is going to cost quite a bit of money for the uh, employer. It's not free. Right. So where I could actually shave. I would do it and put some other kind of policies in line that's frowned upon or whatever the policy needs to be based on that, that, that employer. But for those who are serving people in the public, man, absolutely, you need to do testing on a routine basis and stay off THC. Right. You know, th- 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 yeah, no, th- thanks for going. Well, right. And, but see part, of the, yeah, see, part of the problem is that because pot stays in your system so long, it, it's tougher – it's tougher to tell when you when you smoked it. That that's oh yeah you you know you uh, hey you you're, you're testing positive for pot. Well okay I, I had some like five days ago when I was visiting my my sister in Illinois versus okay no I, I was I was in the car smoking it this morning before I came into work. It, it's just tougher to tell. I, I think it continues to be relevant. Now it's interesting. The Journal Sentinel has a piece about this, and and one of the things that some employers are saying is they've had to drop the testing because they can't get employees. So you know, keep in mind, we live in a 
essentially full employment world now. And what they're saying is that, you know, so essentially so many people are testing positive for pot that are applying for jobs that if if we use that as a we're, we're not hiring you and we don't have anybody left and they're just going down the street and they're going to work for our competitors who you know apparently they, they've just dropped that screening we, we just don't want to know if i were the employer like i say i would continue to do it be, then i would again i would do a follow-up on this, would I automatically say, no, you, you can't have a job, but I would want to know if I'm hiring somebody who's, you know, smoking pot every night or the mornings before they come to work. I'm not going to automatically not hire them, but 414-799-1620. Karen on the north side. Karen, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hi, yeah, Karen. I think they could, should continue to test. Um, I actually work in the transportation field, and I just couldn't see, you know, them not testing and employees coming in in an impaired state, not yeah. just for my industry, but, you know, the healthcare field or right. if you're an educator. Your job that impacts other individuals, you're not just sitting at a desk computer, you know, I just feel like it would be important to continue testing for the safety of others. Okay, but Karen, okay, so you work in the transportation field. What if the position they were hiring, I, and I've, I mean, by the way, I, I agree with you, I don't, I don't want anybody driving a truck or, you know, driving, you know, commercial vehicles or whatever that, that might be yeah, under the influence. Yeah, or airplane pilots or yeah. whatever. A, amen. But what if, what if the job is just, it's a dispatcher, you know, or it's, it's the bookkeeper or something like that. You're not actually, you're, you're at a desk. In that particular case, might the employer be willing to look the other way? I I would say not. I just feel like, you know, you're in an altered state and then your judgment is impaired. You mm-hmm. know, I just... I don't know. I don't agree with it. Okay, no, no. Thanks for calling. No, again, and I, I just and and that's the issue that that you run into. And again, part of the the thing that complicates this with with new hires is that marijuana stays in your system for a long time. So, I mean, it, you know, you you could you could smoke a joint three or four weeks ago, and you could still have traces of that in your your system. Um, in addition. I don't know if you go to a state where it's legal and then you come back and you've still got it in the system. I, I think employers are going to have to wrestle with. And I, I go back again. If it were me and I was the boss, I would continue to test. I'd say I'm going to have the drug test. I want to know the screen. And then if it comes back positive, I'm going to decide on a case-by-case basis once I do a little bit more investigation whether I want to hire the person or not. What's the nature of the job? What is their explanation for why they tested positive? Are they willing to offer me an explanation for this? And, and then you, you kind of move on. But we definitely live in a different world nowadays. This is Jeff Wagner. Hey, want to cheer on the green and gold but don't have a radio handy? Grab your computer and stream every Packers game at WTMJ.com. Wayne and Larry call every play for the 2019 Green Bay Packers. Go to WTMJ.com on your computer to stream every game live. Hey, a couple quick programming notes. This is the last week of our Capco Kids to Kids Christmas toy drive and, and the campaign. And our, our goal, I think, this year is last year we got we had 26,000 toys. And this year our goal is 30,000. So it, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're stretching this out. Last Friday we were at VMP Healthcare on South 84th Street. A lot of people stopped by. We're taking the program to the road one more time this Thursday. This Thursday, we're going to be back at our old stomping grounds in Delafield. We'll have the WTMJ mobile broadcast facility and my program and Wisconsin's Afternoon News. So from noon until 6, we'll be out at the Albrecht Century in Delafield. We've been there before. 
just off of I-94 collecting toys. Um, in addition, we've got a couple different things. This Wednesday, and I'll tell you about more about this as we get a little bit closer, but on Wednesday, we're going to take the 2 o'clock hour of my show, and we're going to turn it into a Kids to Kids Christmas Radiothon, but there's a couple special twists with this, because like I say, we, we encourage people to donate toys, but we'll also take cash as well, and a couple interesting twists to this Radiothon, but that's going to be during the 2 o'clock hour of this program on Wednesday. We're on the road on Thursday, and then Saturday is the big finale for Kids to Kids Christmas out at Capco, and it, it's really, it, it's an amazing thing. I think it runs from 9 until 2, but they take all the toys that, that have been donated and they display them at Capco, and they have all sorts of great things that are going on. It's really been fun to watch this event grow. Um, so, you know, we, we encourage everybody to stop out on, on Saturday. They'd love to see you. My wife and I, we always make a point of going out there and just kind of looking at all the toys and things like that. So, a lot of stuff going on with the Kids to Kids Christmas toy drive this week it's our last week for the 2019 holiday season and you do have a couple more opportunities to donate we appreciate it very much all right i think if you're regular listeners program you know i grew up in glendale went to nicolay high school nicolay high school is the school if you're driving through Glendale on Interstate 43, Nicolay High School, you can see the school and you can see the football field and all. It is to the west side of the freeway. For as long as I can remember, and this goes back to when I was a freshman at Nicolay, on the east side of the freeway, there were athletic fields, soccer fields. I think the football team used it to practice, and, and there was tennis courts and things like that. It was land owned by Nicolet. Uh, Nicolet, the school district, I think decided that they, they didn't need the land. They'd rather have the money. And so ultimately, they, they ended up selling the land. And so now, if you drive by on 43 and you look to across from Nicolet on the east side of the road, you, you see all this construction. They're, they're building all these, these different things. It's been sold to a developer. And so they're going to put in a number of things. I think there's going to be a bank that goes in there. There's going to be like a drive through coffee place. But the, the, big, the big thing that they're putting in is they're putting in an Aldi's grocery store which would be the first Aldi's grocery store in Glendale. We have, I think, I mean, Aldi's has kind of really taken off in the area. By my count, there's probably 15 to 18 Aldi's, and now there's going to be the new one in Glendale. Aldi's has really been exploding across the country. For example, um, 2017, so two years ago, Aldi had about 1,600 stores in the country. They expect that by 2022, so two-plus years from now, they will have grown to 2,500 stores. So that's, you know, that's a gain of about 900 stores over the space of five years. So Aldi's is one of these places that's really been, I mean, it's, it's taking off. People seem to be responding. Aldi's is sort of an interesting type of store because it's it's a discount grocery store. I mean, one of the things they pride themselves on is low prices. And it's certainly a store that doesn't doesn't have the frills that you might find, say, from a Metro Mart or a Sendex or something like that. I would say that Aldi's, 
you know, probably their direct competitors might be like the Costco's and the Walmarts of the world, etc. But Aldi's is certainly carving out this niche. If you're looking for 30 brands of of olives, you're not going to find 30 brands of olives in an Aldi's. You're going to find maybe five different brands of Aldi's. If you're going in looking for a lime, you're not going to be able to buy a lime at Aldi's. You're going to have to buy a five-pound bag of limes at Aldi's. But the one thing that you find in Aldi's is that you find that you're, it's going to be incredibly price competitive. And, and you know, they, they, I think, pride themselves for stuff as being, if not the cheapest, you know, close to the cheapest in the market. And it appears that this is start, starting to resonate. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The grocery industry in our community, across the state, and across the country is one of the most competitive there is. You have the local grocery stores. You have the Piggly Wigglies. You have the Sendex of the world. You have the Pick and Save slash Metro Marts. Then you've got some of the the more national chains. You've got the Aldis. You've got the Myers. Then you've got the Walmarts. You've got Target that sells food now. You've got Costco that sells food now. 414-799-1620. Aldis appears to be growing. They're continuing to expand. Like I say, the latest one is going to be open soon. I don't think it's open quite yet, but it's going to be open soon in Glendale. 414-799-1620. Are you an Aldi shopper? And and why or why not? What what is what is it about Aldi's that makes you want to go there as opposed to some of the other stores. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Clearly, they're they're starting to explode, more on the south side than on the north side. But, um, again, you, you've got a new Aldi's that's going to be going in in Glendale. You've got one that's uh, located kind of in Cedarburg, the Grafton area. All right, what's the key to Aldi's success? 414-799-1620. We're back with your calls in just a moment. Jordan is lining up the calls. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Janie in Watertown. Hi, Janie. Hi, Jeff. I'm fanatical about Aldi. I love it. I have about 10 of them on my GPS, so anywhere I travel, I can just tap in and see what's on sale. And I know that sounds really... No, no. Hey, this is Wisconsin. That doesn't sound bad, Janie. My my wife is always proud. We she's always proud of like. Okay, you're going to go buy paper here. Let me see if I can find a coupon for you. You know, even if you got the money, why would you spend it all? Okay, what is it though that makes you so fanatical about um, Aldi's? Well, it's just what you were saying. Their selection is limited, so you go in there. You know what they're going to have. You don't have to spend your time checking over one thing over another and all that. You just get it. And you're out of there really quick, and you know you, uh, it just goes so quickly. Right. And every every product that I can think of that I've gotten has been the same as a brand name. I haven't bought brand name stuff in for so long. Right. I, I don't go to any other store unless I can't find what I need at Aldi. And one other thing, I've never had my car hit by a roving. <laughs> Because for people who don't know, you've got to put a quarter deposit to get a shopping cart, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and so everybody brings their carts back, and I kind of feel good because if somebody's coming the other way and and they're handing out their quarter to me to take my cart, 
I just say, oh, take it and pass it on, you know, so that the next one can be free for somebody else. Just those little things. Do, do you mind have you have to you have to bag your own groceries and stuff at Aldi's, right? Yeah, and so I keep all of my cloth bags just shoved into another cloth bag. I just grab the one and off I go. And yeah, my 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 friends laugh at me, but I've converted quite a few of them and. Yeah. I, I got it. Well, f- fanatical works. No, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, Tracy in New Berlin. Tracy, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, are you as fanatical as our last caller about Aldi's? I, I didn't get to hear everything she said, but I would say I'm 95% exclusive to Aldi at this point, even for the wine and beer that we stock up on. Okay. Tell me why. Is it is it because of cost? Is it because of selection? Why, why has this got, got your attention? A little bit of everything. So it's definitely the most economical. I'm a full-time working mom. My husband's a full-time worker. We have four kids. Um, it's definitely the cheapest. Right. It's definitely the most convenient. So I use the app that they associate with and... Especially the one in Mexico, I think a couple others do it as well. For free, you can pick up, and it's your same checklist of groceries that you picked up last time. So you can just say, yes, no, yes, no, I need this, I don't need that. And within one hour, you get this alert saying it's ready to go. Oh. Pull up with your car. I don't even have to get out of the car with my four kids. They don't even let you open your own door. Okay. Um, They will open the car, load it up, say thank you. They don't accept tips or anything like that. They're just the sweetest people. It's mm-hmm. the best price, and oh, it's so now, convenient. Now you end up. Do, am I correct that you have to buy at least lots of items in bulk? What I would call in bulk, like larger sizes and things like that. You don't. It seems that way because similar to how Sam's Club and other places just cut open a box, right? Instead of like making it all pretty on the shelf, they cut open the box, but you can get it in single. Servings, like okay. for small servings, you know, we get like eight packs of the kids' snacks or right. baby formula diapers, all in small packs. Got it. Okay. Right. Works so. for me. No, thanks, thanks Nicole. Well, I mean, clearly this is, I mean, and you got, one of the things that impresses me about this, and, and the reason I'm talking about it is, is not just that they're building a new one up in Glendale, but the idea that something's going on here because this is a very, as I say, I don't know that there's any industry that is more competitive than the grocery industry. Smaller margins, um, you know, grocery stores tend to be, especially in metropolitan areas, you know, close together to each other. For example, the Aldi's in Mequon is in, in, um, in Glendale is going to be right next door to a, a Metro Mart, to a, to a pick and save. So, I mean, it's, it's, you're going to have your choices that are there. And, you know, Aldi's is growing. Some grocery store chains aren't. And obviously they've, they've figured something out. Keith in Sheboygan. Keith, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Keith. I'm, a, I'm an Aldi shopper, and we've had an Aldi's in Sheboygan for well over 20 years. Um, but we were drawn in because of price initially. We had a we had a large family that ate a lot, and we we went there because of price. Uh, right. But but we come back because of number one because there are certain things that we like the quality. We think it's as good as what you can buy anywhere else. And as a side benefit, 
it's not a huge store, so what we need to do there, we get in and we get out very quickly. Yeah, that's one of their, their business models, and that, that's one of the reasons why they don't carry 30 kinds of olives. They, they might carry five, <laughs> you know, and so yeah. so that they don't need as as much space. But you, you understand that, okay, if you, want a, if you want a choice of 30 different selections of olives, Aldi's isn't the place to go. But if you're cool with having one of five choices, it, it's there, yeah. Yeah, and interesting. I mean, we've gotten to the point where there are certain items that we we don't particularly care for, so we make our grocery list out, and we highlight the items that we uh, for sure like there, and uh, the rest we buy somewhere else. But but it ends up the majority of it we buy at Aldi. Interesting. Now, thanks for call. And it, it's clearly, I mean, like I say, th- this is a company that's growing. You you look at if if they had what was the number I was throwing around sixteen hundred in two thousand seventeen, and by within five years they expect to be up to twenty five hundred. That that tells you they're doing something right. Linda in Brookfield. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, Hi. I just have to tell you the first time I went there was a few years ago. I have to admit, and. You know, first of all, like you already mentioned, the shopping carts are locked up. Right. And I'm like, what? I can't get a shopping cart? And, you know, it took me a few minutes to, you know, for my 50-year-old brain to figure out i got to <laughs> put a quarter in. But then I, you know, go in and I see all these brands that, you know, by name I've never heard right. of them. When right. I look at them, they look like Kellogg cereal. And they look like, and I'm like, who makes? these fake, you know, right. name brands. And that alone has made me kind of wonder right. about where does this stuff come from? You know, is it shipped from, I don't know where. Well, it's a German company. Is this coming from Germany or wherever? Sure, yeah. And I don't uh, know yeah, the answer, yeah. And once I got pantry moss out of candy from Germany, so <laughs> I'm not so sure I want something that's been that, you know, around that long and shipped that far. But anyway, um, then I got to the checkout and... I'm sure there's nicer clerks, but, you know, she kind of looks at me like, you don't have a bag? Yeah, yep. You know what I'm like? Well, what am I going to do? Take the shopping cart out and just throw everything in my... I'm a rookie. I've never been here before. Don't yell at me. (laughs) Exactly. I did not know the system, and I was like, I will never go back to that store again. Now, fast forward, I had to make dessert for about 300 people last year, and I went to get baking supplies, you know? Right. Because I heard the prices would be low, and it was fine for that. But, right. I mean, off right off the bat, I mean, if they were going to make one in my next, in my, you know, neighborhood, I wouldn't be excited. Right. No, because, no, I get it. No, thanks. And, again, it, I mean, it's a different experience. You have to understand that I... It, it's like anything. I, I like the fact that I go into a store. I don't want to bag my own groceries. I know some of you do, but that, that's, that, that's fine. I appreciate that. I'm willing to pay a little bit extra to have the guy, the, the young man, bag my groceries, the young gal bag my groceries. I, 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 don't, I don't want to have to schlep around my own bags. I know a lot of you don't have a problem with that, and I'm willing to pay a little bit extra. But as far as, you know, as far as the experience, as far as the people who don't need the, the 15 different brands of hot sauce, you know, they've got, they got three. As long as you're comfortable with that, sounds like they've got a business model that at least at the moment is working. Okay, John McCure. Yes, John is on vacation. Eric Bilstad is in all week. We'll find out what he has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.